Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. This is Dalton. This is Matt. Matt, we hadn't recorded in a while um, because we've been uh, in the middle of lots of appointment stuff. How's your faith looking these days? You still have it? I think if I were a listener of this podcast, I would question my faith every time I press the play button. Because yet again, all the research that I've done was five minutes. I mean, some of this stuff is... Who is still listening to this? Um, didn't you say your mom was listening? Maybe, but jeez. Uh, uh, anyway, okay. So what are we talking yeah, we're, about? We're talking about, uh, the <laughs> fittingly, the loss of faith, particularly the interesting uh, phenomenon of what happens when a clergy person loses faith. They burn in hell forever? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, folks. Right. See ya. Bye. Um, no, the, the, as you can imagine, the um, loss of faith uh, is not an unusual thing, but when it happens to a clergy person, it's particularly difficult because that is one of the tenets of the gig. You've got to have faith in order to be a pastoral leader. But there have been uh, several high-profile instances of clergy losing faith, um, and uh, so we're going to have a conversation today about what happens when that happens and talk about doubt and talk about uh, really what it means to have faith in the first place. Um, so Matt, I think, has some examples uh, that he has found five minutes before. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you, you uh, I don't know if you realized you had a George Michael reference. Did, did you notice that? Uh, you got to have I faith. I mean, I know. Oh, you got to have the faith, the faith, the yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let me just... Baby! <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll dub that over. So, um, <laughs> let me start here. Is it okay to question and to doubt? For, for let's just say, is it okay for a Christian to question and or doubt? What do you think? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, otherwise... I'm in trouble. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I mean, God says to love the Lord your God with all your mind. I don't think that means blindly. I think, you know, we are rational beings for a reason. And reason is one way in which we understand uh, faith. So uh, I, I have great skepticism of people who are unwilling to examine their faith through the lens of reason and, uh, and are thus willing to doubt. Yeah, I think some of the, uh, I, I don't like to use the phrase strong Christian, but like some of the, uh, I don't know how you'd phrase that. I mean, just for lack of a better phrase, some of the strongest Christians I know have been ones who have wrestled with their faith time and time again. And if you look at great faith leaders, um, even outside of the church, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, they've all expressed um some doubt at some point in their ministry sure. in their life. Yeah, well, I'll put it this way: like, if you don't doubt, then, like, what kind of life are you living? Do you actually go out into the world and experience suffering, or do you just sit in a room and think about how great everything is? Because if you do that, then it's easy to have faith, because God wants you to have whatever you have. But if you really look at the state of the world, I mean, really look at the state of the world, you're going to doubt. How could you not? Well, in this phrase that I hear way too often, even these days, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh. And it's like, no, it, that, that is 
nowhere close. Uh, I just, I, I don't think, well, I, I'll get myself in trouble in making an absolute statement, but. Yeah, well, it's more about your own understanding than what God actually is doing. Um, so, so talk a little bit, Matt, about um, what that looks like, particularly among clergy, like when, when we engage doubt to the point where folks lose faith, like, what do we do? I, yeah, and we, we asked if um, any clergy wanted to be in touch, and we didn't have any takers, which, again, my mom's not clergy, and so... Um, <laughs> so nobody heard the request. Um, there are a lot of clergy people who have uh, essentially given up the faith in some form or fashion, Um, this was a, uh, former seventh day Adventist pastor. His name is Ryan Bell and Ryan, um, it looks like maybe he was also a seminary professor at, um, Fuller Fuller at one point. But so anyway, so he did this and I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what this, what this means, but. He decided one year he was going to do this experiment called A Year Without God. And so he decided, let's just see what happens if I just assume God doesn't exist for the next 12 months. So he didn't pray. He didn't read. He didn't refer to God as a cause of things. I'm just, this is quoting from an article. Um, I didn't uh, hope that God might intervene and change my own or someone else's circumstances. And so right after he announced his experiment, he immediately got fired from Fuller. So essentially he went through this year and he, uh, you know, at the end of it decided he was, was an atheist. He, he, as he went through the year, he functionally just, it it made sense sense to him. He got used to it. Um, He's, he, he says he's, he's not like rejecting everything in scripture. He just has trouble with the supernatural things, and he still thinks Jesus was a really great person, which seems to be in line with a lot of atheists I know who's, who do yeah. seem to be some of the best Christians I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Reverend Bell, I mean, he's on the speaking circuit now, American Atheist National Convention, and He's written books and even has a podcast, which I'm sure gets listened to more than this one, called Life After <laughs> God. Um, so there's a whole community out there of uh, folks who have, I won't say abandoned the faith, but have definitely changed directions, um, if not just made a complete U-turn on on what they were doing. And then uh, I struggle with the whole life after, uh, what is it, year without God business, because um, at the end of it, if you discover you didn't really need God, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons anyways, right? Like faith, I mean, I, I don't know why I feel like I need to say this, but faith is a, is a, a, a showing of gratitude, not a, not a test of whether you can survive the year, and if so, are you okay, right? So it's a fundamental, in my mind, and I mean, I'm a person of faith, so that's my bias, but in my mind, the, the, it's, the, the orientation is backwards. Um, the, the, the person that came to mind for me, um, was a, a, a pastor in the United Church of Canada named, um, Greta Vosper. 
Um, she was um, recently, in the last couple of years, I think, um, a pastor of a church who decided that she was an atheist. But what was unique about that is she wanted to continue to be the pastor of the church after she lost her faith. And um, I guess I don't, I mean, I understand not wanting to lose your job, but I just wonder, like, why you think somebody would want to do that? Not lose the faith, but, like, why would you want to keep being a pastor? Well, I mean, you form those relationships, right? I mean, just uh, taking the other side of this, I mean, she has been with this group of people, I presume, for a long time, or at least even if it's a short time. I mean, you, uh, as a pastor, you get to know people, you know, at their worst and at their best and are with them in harrowing times. So I I can understand that a little bit. Sure. I mean, I, I get the relational piece, um, although I'm not sure why you can't maintain those relationships outside of a formal pastoral role. Um, but I mean, I'm not somebody who thinks you have to believe exactly like I do in order to be successful or what have you, or to be faithful. I mean, I, God made each of us different for a reason. And the more diverse the group of people, the fuller the picture of the face of God. But I mean, surely there ought to be some base understanding of what we're dealing with here, right? Like if somebody loses their faith, fine. Like I'm not going to be mad at them. Um, I'll feel compassion for them probably. And, and, and yet I, I, I don't understand why someone would want to continue in the role of the pastor if they've lost faith, unless they have a fundamentally different conception of what it means to be pastor than I do from the beginning, if that makes sense. I, I will say I kind of, I kind of get what she is saying, at least for a selfish reason, because I enjoy what I do, and if I got to a point where I had to say I no longer believe these things which are fundamental, um, I, I mean, I, I, could, I, I can see where she's coming from a little bit. So I guess one, one question I have is, like, what, like if, if it's not appropriate for a minister to continue after she or he loses faith, um, whatever that means, like, then what? Like, will we just kick him out on the street? I don't know. I mean, I was looking, and it looks like there's actually a group called the Clergy Project that specializes in helping transition clergy from working in a church to gaining work in the quote-unquote secular world. Um, They get grant money from whoever uh, Kirk Cameron is pissed off. The opposite of, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they, I mean, help them do job interviews. They do a assessment of their strengths and say, okay, we think you'd be good at these things in the secular world. And there's like even a little um, forum where you can like come out as an atheist or an unbeliever. I'm wondering if with the rapid decline of the church, if maybe this is something we might see more of in, in the coming years. Huh? I mean, have you, do, uh, do you know of any maybe. clergy that have 
that have done this? Um, I know some clergy who sort of ended up outside of the church. Um, well, I mean, I, can I, can I say this? Like, I, I, to, I do totally, like, I don't, this is going to, this is probably sounded really negative for me. Maybe I'm just cranky today. Um, but, but like, I have great compassion for clergy who've lost their faith. Um, and appreciate the fact that this group, you know, has grants to help them find work. Like, I'm a little frustrated. I looked it up after Matt introduced me to the concept. They, they have, like, if you want to get money from them, you have to completely reject belief in the supernatural. So in some ways, they're creating a religion yeah, of humanism yeah, yeah. Um, rather than, you know, just being compassionate. And, when, and you uh, have to sign a, you know, a statement of faith or unfaith. Non-faith, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I have great compassion for those folks. And like, I want to acknowledge that there are lots of reasons not to have faith, you know, and it's easy for me. I mean, I, I'm not saying I've had the easiest life in the whole world, but I have enough privilege and, you know, uh, uh, wealth for that matter to not have to struggle nearly as much as many folks do. And so I, I want to, as much as I can, not have a judgmental, uh, attitude towards those people, uh, who've lost faith. And I want to also affirm, and I hope this isn't terribly controversial. Matt, you tell me if you think this is way off base. Um, I, I, I'm a person of deep belief um, and deep faith. But there are days in which the reason I believe is because I've decided to believe. Um, you know, for me, it's not just this emotional feeling that God is. Um, it's this acknowledgement that God is bigger than even my own set of beliefs. So the, the narrow things I believe, I'm sure, won't be reflected in God's actual character. Um, you know, m- many of them won't be. And um, I doubt. And there are days in which I've still got to stand up and preach. Um, and so um, how do you deal with that on, on when you're having a bad day and you, you know, what you're about to say stands within the broad Christian authority and broad Christian history, but it just you just may not be feeling it that day. Yeah, I think those like let's just say if I'm having a bad day on a Sunday and I get up to preach, more often than not, I feel like once I get done with the sermon, I feel a lot better than I did before um sure. I gave it. And I guess that's probably a testament to the power of community uh of belief and one of the I can't remember, maybe maybe you know where this um, is from, but maybe it was Anne Lamont who's saying something about when um, a congregation stands up to say the profession of faith, um, even when there's people in the congregation who don't believe every single word or letter in the profession of faith or in the creed, that you are essentially saying for somebody else, you're, you're picking up the burden for them until they get to a place where they can believe that. Was that yeah, I about, Have you heard that before? No, it wasn't. It, I was me. I wrote about it in my book. Oh. And, um, but I uh, heard you, it. It you, was a story. Tell it then, because you'll do a lot better. Yeah. Than I mean, it was a story that I heard from a, a, a pastor um, who, who early in his tenure in a church lost a uh, a very prominent family, very unexpectedly in a tragedy as an accident, um, and um, was devastating for the congregation and for uh, the family, of course. It was devastating for him because he had quickly come to love these people and had was planning to rely on them, and then they just died. 
Um, and he struggled with how to handle it. And um, this was in a preaching course. So he, we were talking about preaching tragedy. And he said, I cobbled something together. But I realized later in conversation with the surviving family members that they didn't, it didn't even matter what I had to say because during the funeral, it wasn't the sermon that was the most moving thing. It was the, um, the Apostles' Creed. Because they said later that in that moment, because of the tragedy we had experienced, we just were not able to believe. But as we stood with the congregation and everyone said it together, it was as if they believed for us in that moment when we were not able to have faith. And I mean, that's my, what a beautiful image of church that is. And what a beautiful image and affirmation of faith and doubt that is. That even when you're just not feeling it, and how could you in that moment? Um you allow the people surrounding you to believe for you until you can get back to it. Yeah, it is. And I, I would think as a pastor, um, it would probably do all of us good as we're approaching the pulpit about to deliver the sermon to recognize that not everybody sitting in the pews is on the same page. And, huh. um, you know, some of our congregation members are questioning some are doubting completely. Some um, think they know everything, but they don't. And um, I think that, I mean, that realization probably makes you a better pastor, at least it seems like to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Because um, not everybody, probably probably almost nobody has a seminary education, nor your, uh, your, um, the pastor's skill set nor the time the pastor has to think about these issues, right? Like, in some ways, they outsource to us. We're what one of our seminary professors called the designated reader, and we bring that out. And so we've got to remember people come at this from different places, and some of them have experienced tragedy, and some of them have experienced joy, and they believe in different ways. And I was about to say, and at different levels, but... I'm not even sure how you gauge that. Yeah, I think when you either. start to try to gauge it, it's you, 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 you. When you start to try to name that, you kill it. Yeah, some of this is talk, uh, tricky to talk about. I mean, where's the line yeah. of belief and unbelief, and is it f- even fair to call someone an unbeliever? I mean, we all believe in huh. something. It's just, um, it, I guess it's just in degrees, or you know, we've we've so. Um, turned belief into this this binary do you have it or do you don't thing like you know when somebody runs up to you at a ball game and says if you accepted Jesus as your lord and savior you either say yes or no and that's the answer like belief and faith those are those are real complex topics and you know to believe something in your head is not the same thing to believe it in your heart when i was um at a church uh, a former church i was appointed that i had some success with bringing in people who had been alienated by church. And I remember there was one guy who he had come in um, and he had been essentially turned off by church because people told him he was going to hell or he had to believe this, that, or the other. And um, essentially the, the church had turned him off and pushed him away. And so he, um, I'm not really sure why he decided um, to come, but he he showed up one Sunday morning and we went out to have coffee or dinner or something on the following Wednesday night. And 
he was saying how he, he wasn't sure he believed in God and the reasons for this. And essentially what I said was that God you're describing, like, I don't believe in that God either <laughs> of the, yeah. the vengeful, uh, greedy, selfish, um, narcissistic God who wants to punish people and, and alienate people who doubt, um, I believe in, in something else. And so I think a lot of this too, for folks, um, I, a lot of folks are turned off just by the absolutism of a lot of Christians. I, I will never, one of the most profound interactions I've had as, as a pastor, um, happened accidentally um, in ways that, you know, you see, you look in retrospect and see God working in, in a conversation. I met with a young man who came to church um, with a family member uh, and wanted to meet with me and talk because he had had a problem in his personal life. And, um, you know, he, he, he said to me at the end of the conversation, now listen, um, I don't believe in Jesus. Like, I mean, I, maybe he existed. I just don't, um, I just don't, know that I just don't buy the whole Jesus is Savior thing. And uh, then he said, but I, I like it here, and I'm not quite sure why. I just wanted to make sure you knew that and made sure it was okay for me to keep coming. And, I mean, I found that deeply sad because why would anybody ask that question? The church should be a refuge and should be the place for people no matter what they're uh, experiencing, but particularly if they're experiencing either crises or faith or they're curious about faith. And so my response was something that almost I couldn't believe came out of my mouth, but I think um, w- w- was at least heard, which is, yeah, like, of course you can keep coming. Just don't be mad at me if you start believing in Jesus, um, because the way in which I've come to faith is that I've seen people inspired by the work of God, and I want to be a part of that. And that, that guy comes back. He's still an active part of the church, and he's getting there, you know, and what we would have missed that if we just wrote him off. So, you know, <laughs> like everything else, I think we've talked this to the point where I don't even know what faith or belief means anymore. And um, maybe we're all atheists and maybe none of us are. Yeah. I, I do want to bring up two quick things. So yeah, um, kind of on this subject, have you seen the new Scorsese movie, Silence, based on the... No. Um, it's a novel by a Japanese Catholic, uh, Shisaki Endo. Oh, this is right up your alley. In oh, so yeah, many yeah. Ways. It ticks all the boxes, right? Scorsese, it's a movie. You know, yeah. it's uh, Japanese in origin. Japanese. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, I actually think the book is better, but it's about um, two uh, priests who go to Japan to evangelize back in the 1600s and how the Japanese are persecuting Christians and these. Uh, this pastor who is wrestling with the silence of God, of, of not hearing God mm. in the midst of this persecution. Um, it's a very good book, and the movie's not bad either. Um, and then uh, another, one other thing I wanted to bring up, one of my favorite um, artists uh, is David Bazan, who... He was in a band back in the 90s, early 2000s called Pager the Lion. Um, really big on the emo scene, you know? I was sure. rocking out when I was in All right. uh, high school. And, or, Did you ever dye your hair? Oh, uh, no. Well, no, oh. I never got that far. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but um, 
so anyway, he, he was a self-professed Christian for a lot of his career. Um, and he would sing about his faith and talk about his faith. And, and then a couple of years ago, he made this album called uh, Curse Your Branches. And essentially, the whole album is his, um, his breakup story with God. Huh. And so the whole album talks about how he, um, he kind of, his faith crumbled. And it's a really great album. And in fact, Christianity Today, at the time, named it one of the best albums of the year or most important albums of the year when it came out. And it raises some really wow. good questions. And um, even if you don't like his music, I think his words um, would be, Worth it's, it's worth just listening to, at least if you're a pastor, to think about some of those questions. But so yeah, I, right all on. that is to say, I I really do think there is a place for people who are um, not believing certain things or are um, having moments of doubt um, in the church. I think it's probably one of the worst things the church can do to say if you don't believe these things, then we're going to cast you out. Um, hmm. I don't think that's uh, what the church should be doing, nor do I, I think that's what, what Christ would do by any means. And so uh, just just know there there is room for you here that's in, right. in this big, big uh, tent we call church. So Yeah, right on. I don't, I, I don't have a word to add to that. I think that's right on. Do we, do we want to keep doing this? I don't know. Maybe we ought to put it out to folks. <laughs> if you want us to keep doing it, let us know. Yeah. So if you don't, then don't let us know. We're taking the podcast hostage. Have you looked at the numbers recently? How many people? Uh, not recently. We haven't recorded in like a month or so because we've just been so covered up. So it's hard to know. The the, uh-huh. the what I feel like were our worst episodes are always the most listened to for some reason. I think it's because people like to delight in our misery. Well, for some reason, the one about. Um, General Conference was like yeah. far and away the most listened to, which, again, uh, who in the world is listening to this? And they must all be nerds. Who, that was a hot topic for a season. That was a hot topic. That was a, it was a hot mess, too, but it was a hot topic. Oh, maybe we could do one about the, uh, the Way Forward stuff when that comes out. Yeah, I wonder if we could get somebody who's on the commission to talk to us. Yeah, that'd be worth looking at. I bet they wouldn't, but I know a few people I could ask. We can just fake it. (laughs) Yeah, so find somebody nobody knows. If if you're, if you're, let me say this, if you're on the commission, we will disguise your voice. So we'll give you a name uh, 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 and, and we'll disguise your voice in one of those high, squeaky, weird sounding voices. So nobody will know who you are. Unless you are, unless you have a high, squeaky, weird-sounding voice, in which case they'll figure it out yeah. pretty quick. Oh, that's Tom. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thanks for listening. We might see you later. Uh, let us know. Uh, you got anything else? That's really all I got. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. <laughs>